0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of State of the Nation. This is the episode where we do a deep dive on the topic of the week. We apply it to the lessons we learn in the podcast and on the newsletter. David, I'm super excited about this episode. We've wanted to get the folks from Index Co-op on for a while. Now we have the team. We're talking about a new product release. We're talking about all the growth and success they've had since late 2020. Uh, We're talking about building a decentralized BlackRock trillions of dollars in asset capacity here. And this movement with, with decentralized indexed uh, funds, index products is just getting started. So David, I'm super excited to dig into today's topic. And today's topic of indices is such a timely one because
1: this is coming after two weeks after the BED index from the Bankless Dow and Index Co-op, which I think is the best crypto index of all time. I have opinions about this, maybe but maybe that's something that we should talk about in the actual show. Uh, and... Crypto indices or indices in general, I think is something that is really, really powerful, specifically in DeFi, simply because how, um, how uh, easy it is just to compose tokens into an index, index. Once you have tokens on Ethereum, once you have tokens as ERC-20 tokens, making a smart contract to put them into an index is uh, really powerful. Uh, and so there's so much to talk about there. And I'm really excited to get into that topic of conversation with the index co-op team.
0: Yeah, dude. I, I remember when we first uncovered this topic on the Bankless newsletter, it was like, like 2019 and Token Sets was just coming out. And I think the article we wrote in Bankless was something like, um, in the future, money robots are going to be the ones managing your money, right? Mm-hmm. And look how far we've come. Now, mm-hmm. I think uh, Index Co-op has over 200 million in assets under management. They had like close to 400, 500 million earlier this year. And uh, I, I think the dream is really uh, starting to, to come true. And if Like you talk to any of your friends in the space who are outside crypto and they're investing, they're likely doing their traditional, their old FI investing through some sort of an index fund, you know, a Vanguard fund, an ETF Mm -hmm. of some sort, something that is pegged to the the S&P 500 or some other um, stock market index indices. Uh, They're just really simple, easy products to use in traditional finance. And uh, they're even better, more composable, more interesting, more permissionless, more uh interactive mm-hmm. in defi. So that's why the space is super exciting. Well David, we're going to get into that in a minute, but we should talk about what is new first. Uh you were at ETHCC mm-hmm. last week. We just put out a, a post about the ETHCC experience and an epic uh and an epic podcast, man. I listened to that on Sunday. It was so cool. It just like cured my FOMO. <laughs> um thanks for being there. What what are the highlights from that uh, podcast?
1: Yeah, the the highlights were that there is so much new surface area to build in DeFi these days that people are really overwhelmed with what can be built. Uh, a lot of the projects and presentations and talks given at ECC are not talking about theoretical first new products of Ethereum, but a lot of projects and products that are the next iteration or the next evolution of something that we've already talked about. So that was a common theme. Another common theme was everyone was just really stoked to be in person again. And this is something I wrote in the post and not included actually in the in the podcast. So definitely read both. Re- read the post from the Market Monday on Bankless and also listen to the podcast. But everyone was really stoked that we are now back in the real world once again as an industry. And it's, I think there's something to say about, you know, we had 15 months where no crypto events happened and then ETH DC happened. And we are also now starting to change the real world. Uh, at least that was one of my takeaways. Everyone is really excited to see mainstream adoption, but also see this internet native industry actually start to manifest itself in the real world. So definitely don't miss that episode. There's interviews from Vitalik Buterin, Stanley, Stalney from Ave, Kane, uh, Cooper Turley, so many fantastic interviews all packed into a two-hour episode. So if you had FOMO about ETC, make sure you listen to that podcast.
0: That's step one is cure your FOMO, listen to that podcast. I think step two is to go sign up for the Chainlink SmartCon conference. That is a DeFi conference uh, put on by Chainlink every year. This is a virtual conference. The best thing about this, in addition to the 200 plus DeFi speakers and thought leaders that are attending the builders that are attending this conference, is that it's absolutely free free education, free investing on DeFi. I attended last year it was fantastic. David, you and I are going to be doing a panel this year on EIP-1559. This will be hopefully... Right after it launches, so we'll have some cool updates, uh, things to share with the community. I'm excited about everyone who's going to be there. I'm excited about the topics: automated market makers. We're going to talk about oracles. We're going to talk about layer two. Um, it's it's really just a fantastic DeFi education co- um, event. So mm-hmm. if you missed ECC, do not miss this next event, mm-hmm. August fifth through the seventh. There will be a link in your show notes where you can go sign up for that. So get on it, um, man. Let me ask you the question I ask at the beginning of these episodes every week. David, is that time. I hope you're ready. What mm-hmm. is the state of the nation this week, my friend?
1: The state of the nation is we are getting in bed. We are getting in bed <laughs> with Index Co-op and with Bankless DAO. The bet index got released last week. Uh, Bitcoin, Ether, DPI. While it looks like it has three tokens in it, it actually has 16 because DPI also has tokens inside of it. Uh, and I think that it is the best crypto indice that I think Perhaps for, could be for the, a really long time, at least a, at least a really <laughs> long time. I'm not going to say forever, but like there's very compelling reasons as to why Bitcoin, Ether and DPI are the best crypto indices for you, for your friends, for your family. Uh, and now it's live. Uh, and so that's definitely going to be a topic of conversation in today's show with the Index Co-op boys. Um, but that is the state of the nation getting into bed.
0: You know, my favorite thing about this, uh, the bed index, David, is it's mm-hmm. so damn memeable, right? It is right? really memeable. Did you yeah. see that? Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. just go to bed. It happens to be uh,
1: a bed right, right behind me as well. Yeah, Mr. Mm-hmm. Your mayor. Yeah, there's a bed <laughs> behind you.
0: I mean, there's like infinite possibilities. getting mm-hmm. into bed. Uh, there's infinite possibilities with this meme. So I think this is going to be fun for the community to dig into in the weeks and months to come. All right, guys, we are going to be back in just a moment with the folks from Index Co-op talking about uh, everything that they are building, everything on the horizon. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible.
1: When you shop for plane tickets, you probably use Kayak, Expedia, or Google to compare ticket prices. So why would you limit yourself to just one exchange when you trade crypto? When you make your trades, you want to make sure that you are getting the best possible price on your trade and that you aren't paying high gas costs that you could have otherwise avoided. That's why you should be using Matcha. Matcha routes your orders across all the various DeFi exchanges on Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, and gives you the best possible prices without taking any commission. Matcha has smart order routing that splits your order across multiple liquidity sources if Matcha sees that it gets you better pricing. Trading on Matcha is super easy because it pools the liquidity for me into a single easy to use platform and that has even saved me multiple times from accidentally picking the wrong decks to trade on and accidentally getting a bad price. Matcha also allows for you to make limit orders on chain so you can set and forget your DeFi trades and they will go through automatically while you're away. New to Matcha is an integrated fiat on-ramp. You can purchase crypto directly with your credit or debit card and have that fiat be instantly traded for any token that has liquidity. When you're making a trade, head over to matcha.xyz bankless and connect your wallet to start getting the best prices and most liquidity when you trade your crypto assets. Arbitrum is an Ethereum scaling solution that is going to completely change how we use DeFi. If you've been using Ethereum for the past 12 months, you've probably noticed the high gas fees and the slow confirmation times that have been plaguing DeFi. Too many people want to use Ethereum and it doesn't have enough capacity for all of us. That's where Arbitrum comes in. Arbitrum is a layer two to Ethereum, which means Arbitrum can increase Ethereum's throughput by orders of magnitude at a fraction of the cost of what we are used to paying. When interacting with Arbitrum, you can get the performance of a centralized exchange while tapping into Ethereum's level of security and decentralization. This is why people are calling this Ethereum's broadband moment, where we get to add performance onto decentralization and security. If you're a developer and you want to save on gas costs and make an overall better experience for your users, go to developer.offchainlabs.com to get started building on Arbitrum. If you're a user, keep an eye out for your favorite DeFi apps building on Arbitrum. Arbitrum has been working with over 300 teams, including Ethereum's top infrastructure projects, and will be opening up to all users shortly. There are so many apps coming online to Arbitrum. So you may want to pack your bags in preparation for the great migration to the Arbitrum layer two. To keep up to speed with Arbitrum, follow them on Twitter at Arbitrum and join their Discord.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to Bankless. We are here with the folks from Index Co-op. This is a small portion of their team actually and um, because their team is 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 vast it's decentralized uh, and we're really excited to uh, to talk about index co-op today index co-op is building the next gen of index investments doing it in defi the old finance world that's traditional finance has over 6 trillion in assets inside of indexes but in defi crypto native indexes are just getting started So Index Co-op is really a community-led, decentralized, permissionless organization. Their goal is to create, maintain, and drive the adoption of crypto index products. As David said in the intro last week, uh, Bankless DAO and Index Co-op released their newest product, which is called the BED Index. This is a compilation of one-third Bitcoin, one-third Ether, and one-third DeFi. We're super excited about that. We're going to talk about that. Um, But first, we're going to talk about all about uh, crypto indexes, why they're important, uh, and get into that subject matter. So let me introduce our guests. We have three of them. JD Cook is on the analytics team of Index Co-op. We have Simon Judd, business development lead, and we have Dark Forest Capital. He is a metaverse index methodologist. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on Bankless. It is fantastic to have you. Thank you for having
2: us. We've been looking forward to this for weeks.
0: Oh, my gosh. Hey, I got to ask before we dig in, um, you know, the bed index wasn't the the only recently launched index product that hit uh, crypto media waves. I just learned of a crypto index product that Goldman Sachs is bringing to market. This is a DeFi index. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, did, you just, did you catch this news and see what's inside of this thing?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was squinting pretty hard trying to find DeFi.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So it, it's it's absolutely crazy. Uh, for those of you not familiar, this is um this is a tweet I put out yesterday. But um, the crypto Twitter world has been a buzz about Goldman Sachs releasing a DeFi index, and they're you know g- going through the registration process in the SEC. And inside of this index, the the first company listed, the largest um, sh- portion, is Nokia. The second is Facebook. The third is Alphabet. All of these are securities. All of these are equities. None of these are defi assets or even close to defi assets. I don't even not think you even can GBTC. Yeah, not even GBTC. Uh, and this is what a, a a bank is is calling a defi index. Um, I know you guys know better. I know you guys are are, are putting together some crypto-native indexes, but why don't we start, JD? Could you tell us a bit about indexes in general? Like, why are index products important financial products uh, for everybody, and why are why are they so useful in crypto?
3: Yeah, I think um, just in general, the the simplest way is index products take away a lot of the complexity in investing, right? There's especially in crypto where we're so early in the space and. A lot of people that enter the space are unsure um, where to invest, what's going to be the best returns. Um, So, so an index product is a single asset that really gives you exposure to a a multitude of assets um, within a given sector or strategy. That way you don't have to worry about picking winners. Um, You basically get to ride the
2: momentum of the the sector as a whole. So when index funds were introduced in the late sixties and the early seventies, they Enabled millions and millions of families globally to enter the middle class in a way that simply wasn't possible before. That um, they allowed people to avoid some of the volatility. They allowed people to invest in a risk f- in a more risk-free way. And you know what we are trying to do at Index Co-op is we are trying to bring that same vision to crypto investing to allow millions and millions of families to very safely enter. Investing in this space um, through passive investing and passive management.
4: The fact that we're trying to make or or indexes make investing easier and simpler mean that you don't have to pick winners. You don't have to be deeply deeply knowledgeable. I think that's why sort of the index co-op was formed and, and why it's so important that we, you know, we can enable people to have access to financial products without that expertise needed. So, Dark Forest,
0: let's stick with you. I. I... Index Co-op has grown to be about uh, 200 million in assets. That that is as we're recording, and it was was higher a couple of months ago while, while crypto prices were up. But that's phenomenal growth, right? For like just getting started, at the end of, of 2020, I think is is kind of when you guys got started. Um, can you tell us the story, Dark Forest, about uh, Index Co-op? So how did it come to be? What's the genesis story here?
4: Yeah, so our flagship product was launched, um, back in September, I believe in 2020. Uh, but at the time it was just DPI out on the market, um, and launched between set and D5 pulse and the index co-op was actually created at the start of October. And the idea was to form a community around the idea of like growing, integrating and like, um, enabling d- these products to, to, spread basically. So yeah, we, we, have all sort of formed around this idea, like I say, of, of making crypto investing simpler. Um, we use the term like becoming the the Black Rock of crypto as well, and I think that kind of touches on the inspiration of it um, and, and where it came from, really.
0: Simon, I'm I'm curious uh, about this question. Like, so, what is the difference between Index Co-op and uh, Set Token? The Set Token protocol because I understand that Index co-op is using some components of the set token protocol itself. Um, how are you guys related? How are you different? where where does the mission uh, what, where does one organization's mission start and the the others kind of uh, you know take take things up?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you know I think we're we are incredibly fortunate to have token sets, Felix Fang, Alex Song and their incredible team as really really clo- close partners in the journey as, we, as we've launched this DAO. Um, the way I think of it is it's really like a tripod. So Token Sets is the baseline technolog- technological infrastructure that we were built upon. Um, the methodologists such as DeFi Pulse and luckily now Banklist are really the data providers that provide us the data and they're also the distribution platform. And then alongside that Index Co-op, like we're really the glue that holds all that together whether that is supporting those products with go-to-market, with marketing, with exchange listings, um, with all the DeFi expertise that we bring as a community, and you know, it is really a tripod, and all three legs of that tripod make this just incredibly compelling product.
1: One of the questions I have for for Index Co-op is that you guys don't seem to have any of your own products. You guys don't build your own products yourself. You seem to uh, tap into, uh, for example, DeFi Pulse to, to do the DPI, into Bankless Dow to do the Bankless Bet Index. Talk about the decision to uh, outsource the methodology rather than make that in house.
4: We actually do. So we have the Metaverse Index, uh, which is a community launched product, um, the first of its kind, uh, which I'm a methodologist for, and so is uh, Vertu, who unfortunately couldn't make it onto the call today. Um, so yeah, we, we do. And we've also obviously partnered with these like credible external partners to try and launch products. Um, but the Metaverse Index, like it, if I can talk a little bit about how that came about, um, the idea actually went out in October, like went at launch, um, I got quite excited, thought this was a great opportunity to, to get involved in DeFi. And so I put the idea out onto the forum. And it actually took quite a few months of um, pushing and understanding how the, the index co-op was forming before that actually became something that was then went through the, the product onboarding pipeline, uh, as, as you guys have experienced recently with the bed index. Um, so yeah, we do have it. And uh, me and Verto kind of spun that up in a way where we can still be involved with the index co-op. So we're managing this product on, on the side, but we, what we didn't want to do is step away from the index co-op itself and not be able to still like, contribute and participate in the, in the success of the DAO. So uh, we're what's called community methodologists, which means that we stick around, stick our noses into stuff and, and try and help the community continue to move forward.
0: So for, for people who aren't familiar with like index co-op products, uh, I wonder if it makes sense to just give a high level of what the existing products y- you have are and uh, you know, what people can do with them. So I'm showing right now the index co-op um, like homepage and I see I think I see five products listed here. So one is called the DPI, which we've made reference to before. Another is called ETH2X FLI. There's the the metaverse index that Dark Forest was just talking about. We've got a, a Bitcoin 2X FLI, and then we've got the bed index. Um, can you talk about what these products are aimed at? Maybe maybe Simon, could you just give us like the TLDR for each of these products, like why someone would want to hold them and, and what they do for an investor looking for exposure uh, into, uh, into this asset class?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the DeFi Pulse Index, like I would really think of it as the S&P 500 of DeFi. So it is really the large cap DeFi protocols, um, your AVES, your Uniswaps, your makers of the world. Um, and this, like this, when, when we talk to community members, um, you know, the thing they tell us is like the first thing they do after they move their ETH to their MetaMask wallet off their centralized exchange is they buy DPI, um, because it really is the simplest way to gain exposure to what is at the end of the day, a very, very complex sector.
0: I'm actually, before we do another one, I'm curious as to what it takes to actually get into the DPI. So you, I know, um, Obviously, this is arranged by its market cap weighted uh, in some way, but there is also some entrance criteria, right, um, for being accepted. And you got the methodology actually outlines what this is. I wonder if you could just give a quick brief of, of how an asset comes into the DPI.
2: Absolutely. So, um, you know, it has to be a product or a protocol that's been operational on mainnet for over six months. Um, there's a certain amount of liquidity that each. Protocol needs, um, and then you know finally there's various audits that DeFi Pulse ensures that each protocol's gone through, and when, when taken together, alongside the really the market cap of how everything breaks down, um, th- that's really what builds the methodology on their end.
1: So what's uh, how does uh, DPI become governed, right? Because there are decisions uh, that need to be made. Who and who
2: is uh, actually governing over uh, DPI? Yeah, so that's really the beauty of it, right? So when you think of this kind of tripod that we have of the technology providers, um, the go-to market, the technology company, which is Index Co-op, and then the methodologists, each has its own role to play here. And when you think about an index product, you don't necessarily want the methodology to be something that's voted on every month by a community or is really subject to change in that way, which is why we go to you know, trusted outside parties, whether that's DeFi polls or bank lists, to construct a methodology that essentially remains the same month to month to month outside of those routine rebalances.
0: Okay, so that's the DPI we just mentioned. Uh, Maybe Simon, you could just take us through uh, a few of the others. So what is this ETH2X FLI that feels like I'm gonna get some some leveraged exposure to ETH, is that the case?
2: So first of all, just for everybody listening, so the ETH2X fly and the BT2X fly Like these are some of the coolest technological products that are out there in crypto right now. They spent, the the SET engineering team spent months building these Um, at a very high level. What is happening is it is a way of abstracting away a collateralized debt position, right? So some amount of BTC is deposited in Maker, DAI is borrowed out, more is, um, and then with that DAI, more ETH or BTC is bought and it is a tokenized version of that that you can trade. And the incredible thing about these products is you can quickly enter and exit leverage positions in a way that simply isn't possible anywhere else in DeFi right now. Um, And you can enter and exit these positions on decentralized exchanges um, pretty much instantaneously. And you can do it at scale. And that's really that's really not possible anywhere else in DeFi right now. Um, And we're extremely excited about these products. We have a number of other leverage products that we're also in the process of developing and releasing. And we see this as just being a absolutely massive market opportunity moving forward.
1: I think the, the cool thing about this is that you have turned leverage in leverage into a money Lego. Uh, so leverage is now something that you can build upon simply by instantiating the leverage as a actual single asset uh, in in DeFi, and there are assets like this in, in the in the traditional finance world, right? There are there are assets that are inherently like leveraged gold or leveraged oil, um, but we haven't really had these same assets in in DeFi, uh, and there's obviously been like a pretty decent amount of demand because of the the market cap uh, by both uh, BTC and ETH FLI. Uh, so I think that's absolutely fantastic. Have you seen uh, these assets being integrated as collateral anywhere, or any of the money Legos expressions of these assets being found anywhere? else in DeFi, we're in the baby baby
2: step phase of these being integrated as collateral i believe people are doing it very very uh slowly Mm -hmm. to be fair we just uh we just launched our first rari capital fuse pool with fly as a uh collateral there um if anybody is feeling uh adventurous we do encourage you to go over there and um you know kind of play around with that that is that is david like you said that is the future that is kind of the the very cutting edge of what you can do with these products. And it is going to be super exciting to see, especially on layer twos, especially on like Polygon, um, you know, how these products are incorporated into the broader money Legos of DeFi.
0: All right, this is super cool. So so far, guys, we we have a token, basically an index token that gives you exposure to DeFi, which is the DPI token. Then we have two other indexes that give you leveraged exposure to the crypto monies, that is ETH and and Bitcoin. That's the ETH two X fly and the Bitcoin two X fly. Now, Dark Forest was talking about this this Metaverse index. Simon, could you describe what's in this this Metaverse index? It looks like it's maybe a, a compilation of. Um, sort of crypto gaming, metaverse style, you know, uh, tokens. How was this selected, and how did this come to be? And maybe we can bring in Dark Forest uh, to talk about this. But first, give give us uh, the, the high level, Simon.
2: Dark Forest, a Dark Forest and AG know more about these protocols than anybody else in the world right now. Um, I think they've like, built probably our most exciting index. The way I think about this index is, it's really like it's like an in- imagine in 1995. If you could own an index of Nintendo, Sony, uh, Microsoft, (laughs) Sega, Genesis, um, and then maybe throw in Pokemon in there and the Pokemon trading cards as well. Um, It is one of the coolest things we have out there. It's been, you know, I think everybody in the community is incredibly proud that they were able to put together this awesome index and launch it. I am a huge MVI holder. I think probably everybody in our community is. Um, That's my pitch for it. I'm sure Paul can get into the details even more, though.
4: First of all, that was that was a decent effort, Simon. You've clearly been doing your homework. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, bonus points for that. Um, in terms of like how it came about, and uh, a little bit more about the methodology, I guess it was um, like I say, I kind of put a proposal out back in October now, and um, having sat in my mum's basement all year and seen the like the trend of stuff moving online, um, whether that be like socializing, entertainment, uh, business even like sports starting to either be streamed or take, like digital versions of sport taking place. Um, I thought th- there's something that can be done here. And there was a lot of hype around NFTs at the time, but I figured the trend was gonna be a lot broader than that. Uh, I mean, like th- this term of metaverse to me is, is gonna be like an emergent reality that, that blends our current like physical and digital realities that we see at the moment. So the idea was how can we capture that trend Um, It's been accelerated by COVID as everything's sort of moving online. Uh, And that was what gave birth to to this uh, product, essentially. And then AG came along and and he has a decent financial uh, background. So he kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, look, I think we can do something a little bit clever around the liquidity, because at the time, a lot of stuff was low liquidity. Um, So it's market cap weighted, which we then square root, uh, which kind of reduces the volatility during rebalances. And then we've also got a portion that uses uh, aggregate liquidity, and then we wait um, 25% by that. So we're taking partly the market cap and partly the amount of liquidity available to really just try and protect ourselves in the early stages of this product um, as we sort of watch this market uh, start to grow. Pretty Dark Forest,
1: cool. when you talked about the liquidity and waiting by liquidity, that's, that's news to me. That's actually pretty cool. And I'm assuming you're actually tapping into on-chain data for on-chain liquidity, or, or are you also tapping into like liquidity on Coinbase or Gemini or, or other centralized exchanges?
4: Yeah, this is all decentralized. Yep. Um, I think we probably wouldn't be welcome on this podcast if it, if it wasn't. So we, uh, <laughs> yeah, if, if it, we it ain't, if it ain't bankless,
0: get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's how we do it. Um, we don't
2: um, I, negotiate with centralized entities. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Well, they are yeah. good for bridges. You know, we have to have our fiat bridges. Um, but guys, what I love about this product assortment is like it solves uh, real problems that investors have when they're entering this space. As you were saying, Simon, like the first thing people do when they get their their custody of their keys and they and they go uh, bankless is they might buy something like DPI, right? People ask all the time, okay, which DeFi token should I buy? And this gives an easy answer to this. Just Buy the DeFi Pulse Index, then you don't have to worry about it, right? MVI does the same thing, only in the metaverse. Where you just buy this asset, and you have exposure to all of these up-and-coming metaverse-style investments, community-type investments. That's also um, what we're doing with Bed, which is basically, you know, kind of the the bankless thesis. Uh, synergized into into one token where you get the crypto monies, you get Bitcoin and ether, and then you also get exposure to DPI. So you don't have to do anything. Just go into crypto, buy this asset, and you know spend the rest of the time not worrying about price action, but like playing with the cool crypto ecosystem that is before you. But like the common theme across all of these products is you, you buy it, And he said it and forget it, like passive index investing. And you guys have brought that into crypto and made it composable. Um, JD, I'm curious about this. Tell us about the the growth story here of some of these assets. So I think um, right now on the index co-op website says there's 195 million or so diversified across these, these assets. So how has it grown since, I guess, September 2020 when you guys launched? Uh, And what are the the most popular indexes uh, so far?
3: We launched DPI in September, and the next product didn't actually come until, was it late March, early April, when we launched Fly? So we were 100% DPI, but since since that launch, um, DPI now is only about 60% of the AUM, where um, ETH2X Fly now has about another... 20% 20% and the remaining have the, the remaining three products have the last 20%. Um, so we've seen really, especially with ETH2x fly, we've seen really explosive growth in, in unit supply since April. Um, and metaverse, especially the last month, has been growing weekly, um, you know, seven, 10, 12 in unit supply every single week, which you know, week over week growth like that is is really awesome to see. Um, DPI, um, yeah. Since we, even since you know we've launched those other products in in March, we've seen another you know hundred percent growth in DPI as well. So um, we're growing, growing really quickly, and it's only going to accelerate as we as we bring more products to the market.
0: J.D., we're showing a, a Dune Analytics dashboard. I'm not sure, uh, you know, someone from the Bankless team d- dug this. Oh, actually, you're the author of it. Okay, so I, is, that, that, is that you right there, J.D.? That's me. <laughs> All right, so is this like um, a KPI uh, dashboard that the Index Co-op team uses internally in the DAO to sort of measure itself and to, and to
3: self-organize? exactly yeah so this this main dashboard these are our core we call them north stars and core kpis the things that we try to orient ourselves on um, we report on them every week in our in our meetings and, and keep track of them so the key ones being you know address exposure being focused on what users are holding our products unit supply is is just how we measure demand of our products in the market and the other one i want to touch on is is unincentivized unit supply which you can find in there which Especially for index products, the whole point of an index product uh, is that you don't, the product itself, the methodology, the, the value proposition of the index is, is, is incentive enough for you to hold hold it rather than having to be paid in what, whether it's liquidity incentives or staking incentives. So our goal is for these to be self-sustaining products because they're valuable in and of themselves without external um, incentives for holding.
0: Those are some of
3: the the core KPIs we focus
0: on. Yeah, I wanted to bring attention to this one. Um, So this is index co-op address exposure. So is it the case that you have, looks like just over 20,000 different ETH addresses that hold uh, an index co-op product. And of course, an ETH address, as listeners will remember, that can be an individual or that can be some sort of capital pool that could represent a DAO, that could represent a... Uh, an entire hedge fund—it's like a bank account, I guess would be the analogy in the traditional finance space. Um, why is uh, address exposure important to you? Does that represent sort of the, uh, I guess, the distribution across uh, different different stakeholders and parties? Is that why that's important?
3: Yeah, I think I think it's important for this is—I would say this is a high-level metric for sure, and it's important. The reason why we have it is it's important for us as a DAO to be really um, intentionally focused on users. Um, and it's hard, like just for the reasons you said, it can be hard because we don't know if one address equals one user, if three addresses equal one user, or if it represents a DAO or, or whatnot. Um, but we have other metrics and other dashboards that try to break that out. So we look at addresses by their, their amount of exposure they have, by when they signed up. Um, so we really try to dig in as much as we can and we're in the process because we want to be user centric. Um, we the whole point of our DAO is we pump out, m- want to pump out multiple products a year and everyone should have strong product market fit and and user fit. And that's what we want to stay focused on. Awesome.
2: You know, one, Ryan, if I could just jump in one quick note here is this is really like what JD's built here. This is really one of the best dashboards in DeFi. and. I think if you spend a lot of time on these dashboards going through it, you recognize like this is really the future of financial reporting. Like this mm. is where
0: this is the 10K many, of many companies
2: a hundred percent. And like these this is kind of the cutting edge of it. But five years from now. There's going to be a significant number of companies in S&P 500 that report their earnings using a Dune Analytics dashboard, like what JD <laughs> has built here. Like That is the future we are moving towards. And once you start playing around with it, you really recognize the power of these dashboards and the power of on-chain data.
0: Well, it's so cool. This is powerful. I'm glad you brought this up, Simon, because this is powerful for um, DAOs themselves because anybody in the DAO can go tap into this data and start measuring it. This is this is powerful for analysts who are trying to figure out okay what is index co-op really doing and how do I look at the the like the value or potential future for index as a as a token uh, it's valuable for other partners who want to you know like do something with with index uh, it's also valuable and they don't appreciate this yet guys but they will it's valuable to regulators this is insanely valuable data to regulators because we're moving from a system of like uh, forced disclosures, right, where organizations, say corporations, have to be pushed into, you know, from a regulatory perspective, disclosing things every quarter, and it's sort of selective in terms of what what they can disclose to something that is completely open, like everything is on chain, all of your products, all of your revenues, all of your fees, uh, it, like all the way down to kind of the code and who, who manages the code, which is, it's like all public, it's all on chain. I wish regulators could figure this out because there's some regulatory flood right now about DeFi, but like show them a Dune analytics dashboard, right? Like what more information do you want? This is like, this is way better than a, any 10K I've seen. It's actually digestible, understandable. If you don't like it, you know, change the data around, build the graphs out in a different way. They have access to all of this. This is why we call it open finance people. Sorry, rant over. But I'm glad you mentioned that, Simon. That actually
1: brings me into my the the next question I wanted to ask, anyways, is how are indices built on DeFi fundamentally different than indices built in, in traditional finance. And one of the answers that we just gave is, is, well, there's more, there's more data, there's more transparency, there's more reporting. Uh, but what else is there to talk about with, with why indices on DeFi are, are, are so powerful and how they're meaningfully different than the indices that we know in, on our Robinhood accounts or tra- traditional brokerages? Um, JD, do you want to, do you want to take that one?
3: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking. So if anybody else, Simon or Paul yeah. have a, a better answer in the meantime. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think the thing...
2: Go ahead, Paul,
4: yeah, go ahead. Paul. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say that the main thing is like, I think you, you have the ability to do very similar things, but it's all much cooler in DeFi because it's all self sovereign. So mm-hmm. we have the ability to execute um, meta governance, for example, using the underlying tokens in DPI. Um, and I don't know anybody who holds an Amazon share that's ever voted on anything Know, Amazon related. Whereas if you're a DPI holder, you're not only holding the, the tokens in your wallet, but, um, or if, if you're an index token holder, sorry, you can like use your index tokens to vote on an Aave proposal, for example. And we, we can use the amount of Aave tokens held within DPI because of the way the contracts work to actually vote on Aave proposals. So um, as an index token holder, you have like this extra superpower called meta governance. And, and that's one thing. Then we've got stuff like intrinsic productivity, which at the moment we're still kind of talking about and trying to figure out because it is so new. Um, but what we can do there is start to look at ways to make these underlying tokens productive. So could we have a contract, for example, that you deposit DPI into, we break it into its constituent parts and then you stake your Wi-Fi in the Wi-Fi wifi gov- governance portal, for example. Um, so you can then start to yield on your assets as well. And like, yeah i mean compare that to holding even holding crypto in a robinhood account you you can't really do anything with it um, there's just so much more composability and interoperability with uh, like erc token erc20 tokens so comparing
2: a on-chain index and and i just, i firmly believe and i think everybody index co-op believes this like all etfs all index funds like are eventually going to be held on chain and comparing an on-chain index to an off-chain like normal etf It's really like comparing like a 1960s, like Honda Accord or 1970s Honda Accord, like a 2021 Tesla S, like Model S, right? Like they're both cars, right? They'll both Mm -hmm. like get you to the grocery store, but they are very, very different technologies. And one will do it in a far, far more efficient way and, you know, be able to do it in just an extremely efficient manner in a way that, you know, the prior technology just can't. And on top of that, like, you can use our indexes for collateral, you can borrow against them, you can lend against them, you can, you know, at any moment, return those indexes for all of the underlying. Um, and like those that that a level of compostability is just sim- simply not accessible in, in normal index funds, normal products. And like, yes, the grayscales of this world are entering like, or Goldman Sachs, right, like the crypto ETF, the DeFi ETF, but like, on-chain indexes are just—it's just an entirely different world of efficiency and capital of capital efficiency that is just not accessible in private in previous types of funds.
0: Yeah, I feel—I feel like so, um, like once you go into this world and you start doing things with with DeFi tokens, things like like these indices tokens, and then you go back and log back in. I don't know if you guys have done this, but log back into your um, like your brokerage account. Like your Charles Schwab account or your E-Trade account. And you're sitting there looking at the ETFs you hold there. And you're like, oh my God, what do I do with these things? I log in and visit them in like jail, you know, once a month or whatever, but they're stuck here. They're not doing anything for me. They're completely trapped. And you compare that to like uh, the DPI token, which you can use anywhere else in DeFi, right? We're talking about governance, but you can also use this as a super fluid collateral to back a loan. I mean that's sci-fi stuff. That's crazy stuff. And only until you start to experience like the DeFi side of it do you actually see how uh, how all of your other ETF assets are basically in like brokerage jail. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm curious about this the, uh, the the index curation process. And uh, Paul Dark Forest, you're, you're you're talking about proposing um, the the Metaverse uh, index. I'm curious what that process is like. So if someone like you has a good idea, wants to be a methodologist for index co-op, what's the process for getting an index submitted, approved, and created? What does that look like? How long does it take?
4: Um, yeah, that's a good question. And it's something that's being approached by the community at the moment to try and improve. Because I think that we've we found some sticking points. Like We're not perfect with it at the moment. But basically, it comes down to Coming up with an idea, and whether that's something completely novel like the, the Fly series, where it's you know uh, abstracted leverage basically, or if it's a really powerful theme like the DeFi Pulse Index or the Metaverse Index, or obviously Bed. Um, so you, basically, the first step is to, to approach our community, and that takes place on the forum. Um, so you'd put a, a post out on the forum and say, "Here's our idea." Um, We have a template for this. So, any potential methodologist will follow that template and they'll say, you know, here's our potential addressable market. Here's how the methodology will work. Um, Here's how we're going to approach, uh, you know, integrating it. Here's what the unique parts of it are. And then, what the co op community does really well is they'll come out onto the forum and say, okay, we like this or we don't like this. Uh, We've seen this work. Here's the data. Very often, we'll you know we'll go and pester JD to, to get some more information around stuff, and then we'll try and refine r- refine that post effectively. Um, and then we have a couple of like formal gateways. So, assuming that the feedback is is fairly good and the sentiment is positive, uh, we can have a first of all a community call, which we did with you guys, which was great because everybody got to feel like a rock star and be on a call with uh, David and Ryan from Bankless, which is awesome. And um, and and that's another opportunity for the community to learn a bit more about like what the methodologists offer, what they're thinking about the product. Um, but if, assuming everything's positive there, we, we go to DG1, which is decision gate one. And that's the first actual vote where index token holders um, can have a say on a product. And at that point, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's basically just to gauge the sentiment. So there's no quorum uh, as far as I remember, but it's just to say, are we in general agreement or not? Once that goes through, then there is a product team that basically dives onto it headfirst and does a deep dive and says, okay, they said here's the, this is what the addressable market is. Do we actually see that coming true? Uh, what kind of reach do they have? Uh, what's the engineering lift in the background? You know, What's it going to take? What does the fee split look like? And, and what's the return on investment for index co-op? So all of those hard numbers go into a, a prioritization rubric. And then that helps us to prioritize our product pipe, pipeline. From there, it then falls into um, once it gets to the you know the end of that pipeline or the top of the priority, it will go to DG two, which is the the final vote um, that does have a quorum requirement. I think it's 15 percent uh, has to vote and sixty uh, percent have to has to be in favour. And if you pass that, you get to launch your product with Index Co-op.
1: So index co-op has been praised as being one of the most like fluid and efficient and streamlined DAOs that's out there. And that was definitely my experience when when Ryan and I were were going through uh the, the, the whole DAO process with with the bed index. Um, but but I have a I have a critique. I wanna play devil's advocate here. Is that you know this industry runs on permissionlessness and it seems to be that index co-op is really careful and really methodical about the indices that it wants to create. But that means that you have to actually go to the Index Co-op and ask for permission to make an index. And so, what about you know this the average person who wants to make their own index for their own purposes? Uh, is this uh, something that you guys have your sights on maybe in, in the roadmap for Index Co-op, just making uh, making an index a little bit easier? Or, or, or what's the uh, what's the the social contract of the DAO with how it approaches to opening or lowering the the gates or the the barriers to actually making making an index?
3: Yeah, I can, I can take that for a second. Um, I think the the vision is to get to a point where whether it's an incubator style or um, whatever it looks like, the vision is to get to a point where, where anybody really can come in and create an index. And that's actually possible you know, with token sets on its own without the index co-op. You can create an index product and try to drive AUM. Really, the index co-op is would be, is like, look, thinking about like a partnership with a complete distribution platform, engineers, product people, marketers, business development. So the co-op right now is we're really only eight, nine months old, even though that growth has been really fast, you know, we're focused on launching big products, products that are going to really win the market because, because this market is a winner takes most market. Um, And we need to be focused on winning the market and as at the same time improving our processes so it becomes easier and easier to work with the Index Co-op to launch products. And I think we're very aware that we need to improve those processes over time and, and we're focused on that too.
0: Hey, Simon, I'm, I'm curious your perspective on this, but like putting your biz dev hat on. So um, JD was talking about, you know, Adoption, right? Growing this as big as it, as it can grow. And it's very clear that you have mind share among sort of the, the crypto natives, the DeFi natives for index co-op products, right? Like check that box, you know, that's only going to grow. Well done. Um, I, I, I see two other areas of growth, like one area of growth is uh, centralized exchanges. So is there a way to get these assets listed on centralized exchanges? When we had uh, Jim Bianco uh, over, he, he was just talking about like, um, he, he's done, gone into the, he's a, you know, a, a fund manager, CNBC, uh, contributor, this sort of thing. And the, the question he always gets when people get into crypto, they'll create their Coinbase account and they're like, oh, okay. How do I buy the DeFi token now? Like, where is that? And I'm like, well, that's DPI. How soon, like, is there a world where something like DPI gets embedded in these crypto exchanges? And uh, if so, how soon is that world coming, uh, Simon? What do you think?
2: Yeah, Ryan. That's so. That's a very interesting point that we've been we've really navigated over the last eight months. So I think, a first, just for context, I think it's good to understand. A lot of the exchanges, the centralized exchanges are still very much operating from like a 2017 ICO, right? Where they are very much built to keep out the ICO tokens and then screen you know, a certain number of tokens based on volume to allow onto their exchanges. What we're starting to see with a lot of the leading exchanges um, is they're really starting to transition their business model from like a closed garden approach that really could centralized exchanges from say 2017 to 2020 to more of an open garden approach like what characterizes a uni swap or a sushi swap. So we're A, in the middle of that transition. And I think all DeFi protocols right now are feeling the pain of that, right? As we're like struggling to get each of these different products, you know, DPI, MVI, BED, you know, the tokenized leverage products like listed on centralized exchanges. Like we're very much like working through that um, and, you know, we are in active communication with several of the top tier um, centralized exchanges right now. And like, I think there's going to be some extremely solid movement there over the next couple of months um, with really our full list of, pro- of products. And I think the other segue on top of that is the, the index, index co-op and our, our products, like we are going to be, uh, because of our strategy of partnering with really blue chip methodologies, such as Bankless, such as DeFi Pulse, like we are gonna be the first choice index partner for major institutional capital. Like that is where we see ourselves as a protocol. That is where we see, um, you know, these massive inf- these massive funds that are funds that are about to flow into DeFi. Like we see them flowing into um, DPI, into MVI, into BED. Because the reality is, like we think of institutional capital as super highly sophisticated, which it is, but these, like these major banks, these major financial institutions, like they don't have the DeFi knowledge that we've built over the last two years. Like they are just as, you know, just as blind in this space as the average consumer, and they are going to want exposure um, in, through index products. They're going to need it, and you know, a big play we're making at Index Co-op is. We want to be the landing spot for all of that institutional capital.
0: This is so cool, right? It's like at some level, hey, we got to save them from the Goldman Sachs DeFi ETF, right, because like that's what's going on. And even, you know, God bless Grayscale, love their efforts, high management fees, you know and it like and you don't actually own your own crypto assets so like I, I'm curious because institutional DeFi has sort of been a theme we've seen compound Treasury release sort of an institutional product Ave um, with uh, their Ave Pro product which David that's called something else isn't it it's not Ave Pro Ave um, Arc. Ave Arc product mm-hmm. uh, so how close do you think we are to for institutions to be able to directly buy and hold? Uh, index co-op products like the DPI or or BED. Um, are we far away from that? Do the exchanges need to integrate that, or is there a world where they start buying before these things are even listed on exchanges?
2: So up to so up to right now, and this is a common misconception. So up to right now, what institutional DeFi has meant, really up until like the present moment, is institutional participation in staking, right? So. There are num- numerous funds in Switzerland, in Europe, in the United States that are very active in DeFi staking. So you know, a number of top hedge funds are, very, are, are recognizing or have already recognized that, hey, like I can beat my, my expected return just by you know, either playing in stablecoin pools or staking, right? And I can beat the return that I would get investing in like a more volatile asset class a more volatile, like traditional equity asset class, right? So, that transition, that evolution has like the boom has happened. Like, maybe we haven't seen the mushroom cloud, but the boom has happened. Um, so what we're starting to see right now is these funds that have entered the space and have been very active in staking, they've been very active in LPing, you know, stablecoin pairs. They're starting to really expand their horizon of how they think about DeFi and how they think about investing in the space, um, and really like the next step in that is is them directly holding um, actual governance tokens, holding indexes like DPI. They're they're very very close to it, and you know what we're seeing right now is you know really over the last year the crypto space, the DeFi space, it was dominated by about fifteen to twenty kind of what I would call DeFi native funds, right? Like your three arrow capital, your Almeida, um, some of these. And that is slowly transitioning, right? Those funds still dominate a large sector of it, but that is transitioning to more traditional venture capital funds who are entering the space with a specific thesis of holding governance tokens long-term and treating you know, these early states DeFi protocols like any anything held in DPI or index co-op, like they would a really like a world class series a funded startup right like that is how these you know institutional capital is starting to treat governance tokens and that is an incredible shift and it is going to be an incredible accelerator for wide scale adoption of defi because you know these previous funds that just you know they traded and dumped right that was a very bad reputation for vcs what we're transitioning to is Major VCs holding these governance tokens as long-term investments that they expect to develop and grow over the period of decades, and that is so incredibly exciting for DeFi and where we're headed.
1: Guys, this has been a fantastic exploration into the world of Index Co-op, and like I said earlier in the show, uh, Index Co-op has been praised for being one of the most uh, you know streamlined and, and and fluid DAOs there is there is out there. And so we re- I really want to pick your brains about how Index Co-op. Uh, how, it, how it DAOs. What does it mean to DAO from the index co-op perspective? And I also want to get into the bed index because I think there's some really interesting things about the bed index that are worth uh, noting. Notably, the fact that an index co-op product, DPI, is actually in another index co-op product bed. I think that's uh, something I want to parse apart. But before we get to the second half of the show, I want to take a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Living a bankless life requires taking control of your own private keys, not your keys, not your crypto. That's why so many in the bankless nation already have their Ledger hardware wallets, which makes proper private key management a breeze. But the Ledger ecosystem is more than just a secure hardware wallet. Ledger is the combination of the Ledger hardware wallet and the Ledger Live app. And if you're used to seeing all of your crypto services and favorite dApps all in one place, Ledger is where you want to be. Not only does Ledger let you buy crypto assets straight from the app, but it also hooks into decentralized exchange aggregators like Paraswap, which makes sure that you are getting the best prices on your trades without your assets ever leaving your control. DeFi never stops growing and the Ledger Live app grows alongside with it. So click the link in the show notes to see all the DeFi apps that Ledger Live has and stay tuned as more and more apps come online. And if you don't have a Ledger hardware wallet, what are you even waiting for? Go to ledger.com, grab your Ledger, download Ledger Live, and get all of your dApps all in one place. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants Program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a UniGrant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. Alright guys, we are back with the team from Index Co-op uh, and th- in the first half of the show we went through all the things about indices both in TradFi and DeFi and why they are so cool. In the second half of the show, I think I really want to get into the actual DAO side of Index Co-op. Index Co-op is a DAO uh, and uh, my experience uh, with interacting with the Index Co-op is they are mo- one of the most streamlined DAOs in existence. And so I want to ask about the Topology or the org structure of Index DAO. How is Index DAO organized?
4: Yeah, I'd say at a high level, uh, it's it's mainly between like working groups and our funding council. Um, but those things didn't exist in the like the format that we see them today. Nine months ago, all of this stuff has kind of like ebbed and flowed as we've as we've scaled. Um, one thing I should say is that definitely like set protocol are a very switched on an organized bunch and they started us off on the right foot with our like our weekly calls um felix i remember encouraging like one-to-ones and just really embracing like this group of decentralized cats that you're trying to herd via zoom calls like it's just it's very complicated to do but the way that we set up our structure at the beginning i think has really helped us um so in terms of the working groups that was put forward a few months back and uh The idea behind that is you basically set out and anyone can do this. These are emergent. So anyone can come out onto the forum and say, I think the index co-op needs a business development working group and they propose um, a a time box for it. So let's say a a quarter, that's what we've kind of ended up doing. And so Simon will come out and say, "We, we need to do some BD and we're going to do it for three months. Here's how many people are going to be involved. Here are the initiatives that we're going to target. Uh, here's how you can hold us accountable, like make sure that the community can like hold them accountable to it. Um, But then what we have on top of that is is the funding council. So the funding council started as a group of like set members on a multi-sig that were able to fund these things at their discretion. Um, And what we're trying to do now is part of like autonomy discussions in the co-op is hand over the power of that um, council to the co-op and make sure that it's co-op members on the multi-sig and co-op members like advising the decisions there. Um, So it's been quite a hot topic recently, especially around like the idea of autonomy. And it is a progressive like decentralization effort that we're going through. But I think we do owe a lot of it to SET. We we then owe a lot of it to the community members that have like picked it up, run with it and and iterated it as well. Um, And so yeah, hopefully you guys had a really good experience as you came through. process with us.
1: So if you add all of the working groups together, is that index co-op in its totality, or are there other parts of index co-op that are outside of the working groups as well?
4: Yeah, so that's a really good question, actually. Um, So what we were doing as as the funding council was kind of uh, basically giving out rewards to contributors. And what we've moved to is this model where because the three of us on the council were basically too far away from the coalface to the point where we couldn't reward people accurately because we couldn't keep track of what 60 or 70 people were doing in the DAO. So we've pushed that responsibility down to the working group leads. Um, So they're requesting a budget. They're saying, here's the work that I need to do to make this successful. They tie it to our KPIs and then here's how much money I need. And here's the contributors that are going to do that work. Um, So the funding council just basically requests a budget to fund that. There are still some bits and pieces like, that fall between the gaps because obviously we, we can't account for everything in all of the working groups. We might have a really good idea or something in DeFi might change to where we have to you know, react to it and a bunch of work gets done that needs rewarding. So there will always be the funding council to kind of like fill those gaps as well and, and make sure that contributors are, are rewarded across the whole DAO.
0: It, it's so fascinating, guys, because I feel like um, every DAO is, is trying to figure out how to DAO. Right now, and that they're having uh, varying degrees of success. But what we see in Index Co-op is is a model of success. Like you guys seem to run, at least from the the like the outside looking in, like a well oiled machine. And so I'm I'm super impressed with that. And you, I think you've already shared a few of the things that you've learned uh, along the way. But maybe maybe I'm curious just to put it in a question: Is like what what are the um, the lessons learned on Dowing that you have to like pass on? To other DAOs, what are the things that DAOs should do? What are the things they should avoid doing? From your experience, um, JD, let's start with you if you if you have some thoughts on this.
3: Yeah. Um, so I think one thing that's becoming apparent now. So this may blend into more of kind of like what we're learning because we are we're definitely learning right now. I, I I think we are trying to push the envelope, and that's great in a lot of ways. And I think the community community has been awesome to realize like. We're in a learning process and we're figuring this out over time. But like Paul mentioned with SETS leadership from the get-go enabled us to make the right strategic bets, right? On DPI and on the fly series. But over the last few months, as we've launched new products, we've grown our community, we're learning how do we how do we maintain like high level strategic alignment and still make strong bets and focus ourselves when we have eight, 10 working groups. Um, And I think we're learning what those structures look like right now. It's the funding council working groups. We have a, we just launched an autonomy working group to explore this with other stakeholders more deeply. And and I think that's the challenge I think we're facing. So as other DAOs think about it, like that's the challenge maybe to look forward to is as your community grows, it's harder to keep focus on, and, and to focus everybody on the same few initiatives that you, and the big bets you might need to make as a, as a young, as a young organization.
4: What are, you, what are your thoughts, Dark Forest? Um, yeah, first of all, it just popped into my head that uh, the engineering working group, which is a massive one that I missed off my list earlier. Um, I was going to say that something that I, I came across that I mentioned on our forum was this, this um, like thought model or this uh, like hypothetical situation and it's called Chesterton's fence. And I've seen people on Twitter and from other DAOs kind of talking about this. And and what it is, is imagine two people are walking in a field and they come across a fence or a gate, but there's nothing either side of it. So you could easily, uh, quite easily go around it. So one person says to the other, what's this doing here? We should just get rid of it. And the other guy says, well, As soon as you can tell me why it's here, then we can get rid of it. And so I think what we're seeing in DAOs is a lot of people come in and I did the same very naively thinking that decentralization solves everything. (laughs) Unfortunately, it, it doesn't, you have to have a group of like high context, um, highly accountable people to make decisions and move stuff forward because otherwise you, you get a lot of friction, uh, a lot of delay. So, I think we've found, uh, as JD said, like SET kicking things off really helped us. And now we've got to a point where we really quite rapidly need to move to index co-op, having the uh, the power as either the funding council or some other thing that we haven't yet had. And we and we see this at synthetics with their Spartan council as well, where you have potentially an elected group of people who are empowered to make decisions quickly. And I think that's a really powerful lesson learned because the longer you try and hold on to like um, voting by committee or decision by committee, uh, the, the more you're going to slow yourself up potentially.
0: Yeah, th- that's great feedback, Paul. Th- thank you for that. Si- Simon, what would you add? What are some lessons learned from, uh, from Dowling so far?
2: So I think the mistake people make is they think decentralized means leaderless, right? Mm-hmm. And decentralized protocols and DAOs thrive on the strength of the leaders they have. And Index Co-op, you know, from day one, we have built this culture of ownership, a culture of trust, a culture of integrity, a culture that really embraces and values strong leadership. Like JD mentioned, like, he was like, hey, you know, Index Co-op really values analytics. We have six or seven people like working on analytics. It's like, no, JD Cook is a great leader and he has, you know, managed to get this awesome team of eight or 10 people working on analytics. And like, Paul is, you know, being, or Dark Forest being very humble saying, oh, you know, we have this council, this council, this direction, it's like, no. Like, Dark Forest, you know, helped put this together and like drove it, made it happen. And, you know, when I think of what makes DAOs successful and is it's people taking ownership and then it's embracing DAOs when it's high stakes. Like anybody can be like elephant DAO and have a multi-sig and kind of be hanging out with your buddies and it's like, whatever. But what really differentiates a great DAO from all the others is like, can your DAO operate when the stakes are really high? And at Index co I mean, this is a business on the blockchain. Like we handle hundreds of millions of dollars. The stakes are always very, very high. And we have put a tremendous premium on leaders who can, a handle stakes when they're that high and then execute at an extremely high level.
1: That's fantastic. And, and uh I think it's really interesting to, to note that when you look at all the other like DAOs in the space, like Ave in theory is a DAO, but you know the name Stani, and like in Uniswap is a DAO, but you know the name Hayden. With Index, there doesn't really actually seem to be one like figurehead, but there does seem to be like many, many, many leaders uh, moving each one of these working groups forward. So I, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, one of the, one of the last few questions we have as we come to the end of the show is: What what are the products that are in the pipeline that are not yet uh, to not, not yet released out of the Index Co-op that are really uh, that excite you guys? Uh, are there any uh, you know t- uh, teasers that you guys could give us about future Index Co-op indices coming out of the out of the Dow?
2: Before before we do products, can we do, can I just do a shout out to two initiatives that are happening Absolutely. that I'm really Please excited do. about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Index Co-op, we are launching the first DAO internship program. Mm. Um, it is happening. It is kicking off August 9th. We have seen, I believe, over 200 applicants so far to intern at Index Co-op. Um, we want the next generation, like we don't want them to, you know, just land on 400, 388 applicants so far. Mm-hmm. Like, If we want the best and brightest to come to Index Co-op, we want them not to say, I'm going to go work at Google or Facebook. We want them to say, I'm going to go work at DeFi. And we're very committed to making that happen. And I think the other thing I also want to give a shout out to is, you know, Index Co-op has really made a commitment to be a leader when it comes to diversity and inclusion in DeFi. Um, I would say, you know, over half of our core team members are mentors for She256. Um, We have an incredibly successful women in index co-op community call that happens every Thursday that has, you know, we have 20 plus women every Thursday from across DeFi, from across crypto coming, helping out with the co-op, learning about it, getting involved. And like, those are two initiatives that I'm really fired up about. And I think as DeFi grows, like this can't just be a movement for, for, you know a thousand people or two thousand people like it has to be everybody and we have to build structures where everybody in the world can feel comfortable entering these DAOs, entering those organizations and really pushing things forward
1: now, yeah and that, that's a uh, an answer to a question that i wouldn't have known to ask so so thank you for for that perspective simon um but also back to my original question uh what other indices are coming down the pipeline that are that uh, we can all get excited about in the future
3: I can I can touch on a couple. Um, we are just about to vote on on the data index, um, which is uh, a, a thematic index to give you exposure to data economies, on-chain data economies such as Graph Protocol, Ocean Protocol, um, even like Bat and Orchid. Like there's uh, chain link? this this yeah this Chainlink yeah sorry I should have maybe started <laughs> with them. Yeah, this, this whole idea. You if
0: you don't include them, by the way, J.D., yeah, they'll, they, we'll hear they about will it.
3: absolutely let you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, So, I mean, it's just this, this theme of Web3 data economies um, capturing a lot of these, which are really interesting tokenomics in a lot of them, these utility tokens um, into an index. We have uh, proposed going to DG1, the, the pay. Um, you can see these on our form, the pay index, which is a, a stable yield-bearing stablecoin index, so nine yield-bearing stablecoins, um, trying to uh, maximize your risk-adjusted returns on stablecoins, which could be very powerful for both DAOs and individuals in their portfolios. Um, and then the continuation of the Fly series, um, inverse ETH is one of the is the next one coming through, um, so allows you to get inverse exposure to to ETH movement. Um, am I missing any other ones that are?
2: Close we're calling that year. we're calling that the That's down it. only index. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: what would that mean if if I'm holding inverse ETH? I'm just curious. That means like when when ETH goes up, um, you know, I'm going down, I guess, and vice versa.
3: Exactly. So, I mean, this is a this is a, a continuation of our mar- focusing on a market of like really. Um, sophisticated traders, right? The the these products, these leverage products, aren't necessarily meant to be buy and hold products like our thematic indices are. Um, these are more for people that are moving in and out of positions relatively quickly. And we are building out a series that will cater to this market. Um, that being the next one.
1: Uh, so my next question is actually about uh, the bed token, the bed index, which again came out of the Bankless DAO. I'm super excited about it. Like I said. The best crypto index uh, that I think will ever come out, uh, but you know it's very early, so maybe I shouldn't say that too soon. But uh, Paul, as, as the methodologist behind uh, MVI, I have a question about the, the nuance in uh, the BED index because the D part of BED is, of course, DPI, which is a product out of index co-op. And so there's an index co-op product inside of BED index, which is another index co-op product in partnership with Bankless DAO. Um, how did that change? Did, did, did that like throw a, a wrench in the in the in the in the gears about how you think about um, the methodology behind uh, the Bed Index, or what? How how did that change what you were really kind of thinking about with
4: uh, um, uh, index co-op products? Um, not as far as I'm aware. I think from for me personally, I thought it was quite interesting because I kind of see uh, the the Bed Index as like a growth hack for DPI to an extent. Hmm. So the fact that we've We've got it included in there, and we've partnered with, you know, the Bankless DAO and, and yourselves, who have fantastic reach and great educational materials. I think putting those two things together um, helps us like really spread the word about, you know, what you can do in DeFi, and and for these um, brand new investors to the space, like it's a perfect product really uh, mm-hmm. for those kind of people. So, yeah, I don't think it. I, as far as I'm aware, like I say, I don't think it was any um, spanners in, in the works, but uh, it's just a really like a really advantageous thing to do. And then mm-hmm. it's going to help us like spread the word about DPI and, and DeFi more generally. I, I think the
1: cool thing about uh, what you can do by turning your own tokens into another in- index is um, Bankless DAO partnered with Index Co-op to produce a Bed index, but there's DPI inside of the bet index. And so in a way, there's like an unofficial money Lego relationship between Bankless Dow and DeFi Pulse, which has, you know, no other connection other than uh, the actual uh, than what's in the actual Bed index. So I think that it's like this unofficial relationship that I, I think is pretty cool. And that very much goes to uh, what um, Kevin Iwaki was saying over at uh, at uh, ECC uh, when he talks about how all DAOs will all rise together and fall together. Uh, and putting the relationship of a DAO on chain allows other DAOs to just tap into the power of other DAOs? Uh, I don't really have a question there, but if anyone wants to riff on
3: that, I'll I'll open the floor. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like, I I love that point and, you know, something, it, it provides a synergy with multiple partners trying to push everybody forward, just like you're saying. And I think one of the things I'm really excited about with that is we talk about this, like new new crypto user retail market. And I mean, I've already had multiple people on Twitter or just text me and be like, hey, what's this bed? How do I, bed, bed token, how do I get into it? And I'm really excited to see two really passionate communities at Bankless DAO and Index Coop really try to focus and innovate on how we start to penetrate, you know, new crypto, like new adoption, incoming crypto users, investors, um, and I think that's like we've talked about the bed being this Dow to Dow partnership and the, the, the uniqueness in, of that. And I'm really excited to see that play out as how we come together and as communities to really drive a new adoption through bed. Um, that, that's my hope for the product in, in a large part.
1: One of the uh, things I've been thinking about while on this call, and I want to run this idea by you guys because it might be crazy or it might be genius, one of the two, uh, is it, all of the indices on Index Co-op, they're supposed to be quality, right? Like You're not supposed to be throwing crap tokens into these uh, into these indices. Each one of these indices is made with purpose, made with intent, which means there should be quality in every single one of the, uh, the indices. So have you guys thought about... The index co-op index, which is just an index of all the products that you guys have ever created. Have, has this been like passed around in, in back channels? Have you guys
3: thought about this? Um, it's it's been thrown. There might even be a discussion going on the forums right now with hmm. uh, a couple ideas around indexes of the the I think somebody called it the co- the coop. Just the that co- the, that would be the ticker. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it would just be every index we launch gets added. Um, maybe like thematic indexes or simple indices, but mm-hmm. it's definitely been thrown around. It I don't know how far it is in the process, but um, you're you're not off on that idea. Nice, nice.
0: Uh, guys. This has been a blast. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, I want to end with with this question because you know we titled this episode "Building the uh, the Decentralized Black Rock," right? And so, you know, decentralized BlackRock, that that is quite a, uh, I mean, I don't know how many trillions they manage. It's got to be six. like six oh, trillion. Excuse me. There's uh, six
1: trillion in ETFs. I don't know how BlackRock is, but tri- it's in I the I think it's the the close to
0: the six to 10 trillion, right? So um, what's it going to take for Index Co-op to become the decentralized BlackRock? Like, what's it going to take to get that level? Are you guys serious about that? Or is that sort of a, a tongue in cheek uh, sort of joke what, what are your thoughts Simon
2: I can I can take that so you know in the next five years index co-op is going to be the largest crypto asset management platform in the world um, over the next 10 years we will be competing directly with Vanguard and Blackrock um, for the ETF space we firmly believe that we are moving to a tokenized world all the traditional securities like will eventually be tokenized. And we are, you know, laser focused on on being being the protocol where that happens. Index Co-op is going to be the single largest crypto asset management platform in the world in the next five years. And in the next 10 years, we'll be competing directly with Vanguard and BlackRock. Um, The way that happens is, you know, we are moving to a tokenized world where the majority of real world assets real world securities, real world ETFs are held in, 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 um, in tokens that live on Ethereum. Um, you know, we firmly believe that that will happen in a decentralized way. Like that is the only way to power really the, the the financial revolution of the future that can manage this level of complexity. Um, and you know, we, like how that happens on a tactical level, right? Like there's mass adoption that needs to happen. There's mass, um, you know, awareness of this space, but what happens with us internally is, you know, the one lesson we take from TradFi that I think, and this is a real lesson, is how do you build an institution that will last for a decade? How do you build institutions that will last for 50 years or hundred years? And yes, right now, like these, what we are building, it happens on chain and these are all very nascent organizations, but we are very, very focused on building a protocol That will last for the next decade that will last for the next 50 years that is built on humans it is built on leaders it is built on core values it is built on our framework of trust where millions and millions of families can one day you know entrust the financial future of their families to what we are building and that is the reality we are moving to and that that framework and that foundation of values is what will enable us to compete directly with Vanguard, compete directly with BlackRock. And and we are going to do it better than they have done it. We are going to do it in a better way, in a more equitable way, in a way that is more fair for families across the world. Um, And the only way to do that is through decentralized finance.
0: There you go, guys. Uh, Index Co-op, it's been a pleasure to have you on Bankless. It's clear you guys are dead serious about a decentralized version of BlackRock 5 years to flip in the crypto banks and 10 you'll be flipping the traditional black ro- rocks of the world. It's been a pleasure to have you guys on Bankless. Thanks so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bankless Thank listeners, you guys. awesome
0: show. Yeah, thanks Simon. Bankless listeners, as always, we've got some action items for you. Go check out the Index Co-op products. You can do that at indexcoop.com. Of course, Number two, you can also check out the Bed Index. Super excited about that. Just launched, I think, uh, to Wednesday or Thursday of last week. I think it launched with over a million in assets under management. It's like 1.5 or so uh, by the time you are listening to that. So go check it out. Save your friends. Don't get them to invest in terrible assets they find on uh, YouTube, unless you're, you're tuned into this YouTube channel. Uh, buy bed instead. Sleep comfy at night. Risk and disclaimers, guys, of course, crypto is risky. So is ETH. So are the indexes that we talked about in this episode. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.